2: A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework.
0: This is Solvable. I'm Ronald Young, Jr.
1: The first introduction to a museum for me was the Brooklyn Museum.
0: The Brooklyn Museum, like many well-known museums across the United States, is a sight to behold. A modern glass shell pulls light towards the front entrance, drawing visitors inside. Enter any of the galleries and ornate objects seem to glow with every color, sparking curiosity and exploration. Being in a museum can feel like stepping into a totally new world, but...
1: The museum is not separate from the world that we live in. Race matters.
0: If museums are the keepers of cultural stories, whose stories and how those stories are told matter. But the decision makers? Well, in 2018, 46% of all the boards in American museums were 100% white, and curatorial departments were over 80% white. So how do we get those chairs filled by a more representative crowd?
1: We decided to bring these conversations within the museum themselves. Conversations around what Egypt looked like and, and having Black people around it. We had conversations around anti-Blackness in Egyptology. Real conversations like that within the institution um, we thought was really important.
0: Stephanie Cunningham is the director of Museum Hue, an organization working to challenge the status quo and make museums more welcoming and representative of everyone.
1: Museums being more relevant and reflective of our society and community is a solvable problem.
0: Tell me about the first time that you went to a museum and what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, so for me, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, born and raised, mm-hmm. and um, The first introduction to a museum for me was the Brooklyn Museum. And, you know, my family is from the Caribbean, Jamaica and Trinidad. And we would go, my family and I, to the Brooklyn Museum to see exhibitions and really enjoyed that. And then I ended up going to nursing high school and Mm -hmm. I hated it. But the Brooklyn Museum right across the street from me really intrigued me. So the Brooklyn Museum, 15 minutes, 20 minutes from my house, was my first introduction to the museum field.
0: And, and what would you say drove your interest beyond going to the museum? What drove your interest in working in that field?
1: So for me, it was like I it would be so cool if I had the opportunity to be around art all day. Uh, one, invite people <laughs> to enjoy this art with me. too. you know, escape, um, you know, like corporate America. I had already, you know, learned that people had to dress a certain way look a certain way in corporate america and the arts was this place where you could be free from all of that and you know experiment there's so many different learning styles Mm -hmm. there's people who are visual learners auditory learners um you know kinesthetic learners and and that's what arts and culture provide people with the opportunity to do to get you know different ways to learn and to tap into the best way that you learn. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the problem with museums these days? Because I don't think you'd be in your line of work if you didn't see an issue there and one thing that struck me that you said is you said you wanted to be an artist and you know you wanted to be creative and free and do your thing and you want to get away from the corporate world and i'm someone who used to work in the corporate world i've pivoted away and what i've discovered is that there's always a layer of corporateness no matter where we go there's always a layer of corporate uh so what what exactly was the problem with museums for you
1: Honestly, I, want, I went into the field to be free mm-hmm. or what I had imagined or what the museum field projects. However, when I got into the field, I saw that there was a lot of racial inequality. The museum is not separate from the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Race matters. The Brooklyn Museum, for example, is in the middle of Crown Heights a very black neighborhood, large Jewish community as well. Mm -hmm. However, a large portion of leadership were white and from somewhere else. When I became an intern, I was the only person going to like the local college. I was doing my undergrad at Brooklyn College. Everyone else was at an Ivy or private school. Um, I was the only black or person of color in the uh, curatorial department internship. The way that I got my internship was I kept applying And I would either get no's or wouldn't hear anything back. And then I I walked into the museum and, you know, spoke to someone at visitor services and was like, look, I've been coming to this museum a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I'm studying (laughs) art history at Brooklyn College. Like, I need an opportunity. And thankfully, um, someone from the education department was earshot and actually gave me a chance. But the change that i wanted to create looked like having the opportunity for more you know black and brown people being within the field within these predominantly white institutions in new york even the educational system pushes uh, institutions like the Brooklyn Museum, like the Met, like the Guggenheim, like the Whitney as premier cultural authorities mm-hmm. in New York City. Yeah. However, I had to learn for myself about Studio Museum in Harlem, El Museo del Barrio, a Museum of Chinese in America. All of these institutions that are located in communities that are doing really amazing work wasn't getting the visibility and the funding that they
3: so deserve. for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobilecom mobilecom slash unconventionalawards. That's tmobilecom mobilecom slash unconventionalawards. See you there. As
2: listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms apply.
4: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
0: Last year after George Floyd died, we saw a lot of uh, racial reckonings happen across multiple fields. We saw it happen in Hollywood. We saw it happen in the food industry, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, we saw it happen in very many unexpected places. Yeah. Did any fallout happen with these racial reckonings in the museum industry?
1: You know, there was call for greater racial um, equity, racial justice within the museum field as well. There was a whole survey done by Museum Next, which is an international organization asking people, do they feel like museums are relevant? And a lot of people said they thought museums was important, but not necessarily relevant because they didn't feel like museums were talking about issues within our society and wasn't standing up for for anything. And so that's incredibly important to know that Our society wants to see museums become more involved. There were a lot of people asking for changes made within the leadership um, and within policies of museums as well. And so what I did was I created the very first map and directory of museums created by black indigenous and other people of color. The map now has over 150 uh, museums throughout the country. The list is still growing, but it shows these community museums or also known as culturally specific museums. Their pedagogy is one that puts community before collections. These community museums are doing incredible work across the country. My work right now looks like Uh, supporting those institutions and in the same time challenging the racial infrastructure of those larger uh, museums that we know by name.
0: You stated clearly the problem and you stated clearly what's going on, a lot of inequity within the museum field. Talk to me about how you went from identifying that problem to starting your company Museum Hue and then how Museum Hue works with museums in order to create more equity within the field.
1: So it really started out as like a collective to think about what we were going through, how we can speak up, how we can speak out and things like that. And then we decided to bring these conversations within the museum themselves. And the first one was actually at the Met and it was like 30 of us. And we had conversations around the anti-blackness in Egyptology, the, the lack of um, conversations around what Egypt looked like and, and having black people around. And mm-hmm. we had conversations around the Metropolitan Museum as, um, artifacts from all across the world, right? And 90% of the staff and the curators are still white, right? So it's not even cultural representation there within the cultural collections. Um, so having real conversations like that within the institution, um, we thought was really important. Museums started looking at Museum Hue as a way to get more diverse people of color within uh, their institutions who have the skills and expertise and knowledge. We hosted Zoom conversations with hundreds of, of folks throughout the country around what they were dealing with at work in the museum. Um, and so all of those things are really incredibly important to Museum Hue as we continue to move forward. Um, and I'll mention this last thing, here in New York City, um, with the support from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs, I'm creating uh, what's what we're calling Hue Arts NYC, where it's looking specifically at uh, people of color created and led arts organizations to amplify their work and provide additional support and also um, write a comprehensive report about their experience in creating and leading these um, arts organizations.
0: Listening to you, it it sounds like, you know, the the work that you're doing to create space uh, for black and brown folks, especially to be included within the field itself and to be included in the conversations of the field, it does sound a lot like DEI work, and I can understand the separation that you have because you're not actually teaching them how to be, uh, you're just talking about bringing folks to the table as opposed to confronting internalized bias or going down a very technical path. You're just saying, hey, there's uh, black and brown folks here. Let's bring them to the table.
1: Sure. And also within the words diversity, equity, and inclusion encompasses so many different things. It almost always talks about, you know, gender, race, uh, sexuality, and all mm-hmm. of those things are important, but all of those things are large enough to have a space for themselves. And for me, it's about explicitly talking about race.
0: Working within the structure of the museum system, uh, what would you say to folks that, that say that because this the structure is inherently racist, and it's a inherently like a, a product of a structurally racist society, that it's impossible to see the types of changes that you want there. How do you respond to that type of criticism?
1: Yeah, I think that what we know, a lot of industries in the U.S., you know, comes from the support of, you know, colonialism, racism, um, from our museums to our banks, and, and on and on and on. However, there is a way, I believe, that museums can be spaces where it it creates equity and creates conversations around change. And not just conversations, but implements change. So for example, the Native American Museum in California, which is, you know, native run owned institution during the pandemic, they changed their entire focus, not just, you know, looking at um, indigenous arts and culture, preserving that um, through their own, again, pedagogy narratives and perspectives, but they then began feeding um, the elders ancestral foods and such for their survival throughout the pandemic because they realized that people needed needed to literally be fed right yeah. and so these cultural institutions culturally specific institutions these community museums are really looking at the health and well-being of their community for the larger Museum, feel that is that's crazy, right? Yeah, we, we, yeah. we can't be definitely, of. we have to exactly. Yeah. So, that kind of work is incredibly important. New York Historical Society, for example, which is not a culturally specific museum, in response to um, the former president's charge against you know uh, lack of support for immigrants, they created what's known as the citizenship project where they help. New Yorkers working on becoming a citizen, they provided the opportunity to teach them uh, citizenship tests right Mm -hmm. through their collection. They taught people. And then what they also did was provided a space for them. They did so in a real way that creates real impact. And the reason why they're able to do that is because they don't separate themselves from the communities that they represent.
0: So let me ask you, how do you know that what you're doing is working. It feels like it's hard to really see a metric here. What types of responses are you seeing from museums?
1: We've helped hundreds of people gain jobs within the museum field. And I would also say the fact that Museum Hue continuously is invited at to many tables, whether it be conferences or keynotes and such to talk about the real change that museums need to make um, shows that you know we are a reputable source within the field and also that the field is paying attention to the large movement um, and community that Museum Hue has created. Um, I think I think that museum U has given voice to a lot of people who felt like they were voiceless, and have encouraged people to use their voice in challenging the museum to change and to become more equitable.
3: Hello, hello, Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans have this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new, data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, and I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the Customer Experience category at the Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match, we can feed them data can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event and a great way to be recognized for your brave outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders and an even better way to say, I told you so you can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com/unconventional awards that's tmobilecom mobilecom unconventional Awards See you there.
0: You talked a lot about local museums, especially local museums that are part of marginalized communities. How can listeners get involved at that level? Is there is there a place they need to go? Is there do they need to do they need to go in there and speak to the manager, speak to visitor services? Uh, where where do they begin with engaging with those local museums?
1: I think the first step is becoming knowledgeable of what steps have been taken and what is recommended for folks to take and for me how i did that myself was reading mountain frustrations art museums in the age of black power even how to be an anti racist all of those Ooh, things form yeah <laughs> you know even even that book has helped me even in my work with museum hue mm-hmm. and so it's incredibly important for people not to guess what's needed to be done you know on top of doing, doing those incredibly important readings, you know, following folks who are doing the work, of course, Museum Hue and others, there's Museums Are Not Neutral, there's also Museum Detox, um, there is a plethora of articles um, that are constantly being written about how to, you know, recognize, um, you know, some challenges or issues within your museums that needs to be um, addressed. That is the first step
0: Thank you so much for being with us, Stephanie. Thank you. Stephanie Cunningham is the director of Museum Hue, which supports people of color within the museum field and works to situate and promote culturally informed museum exhibitions and experiences across the nation. We'll have links to Stephanie's suggestions for ways you can learn more in our show notes. Next week, I'm talking with TV writer Mike Gaia about how to get creative young Black writers into the writers' rooms of Hollywood. Mike was a lot of fun. He writes for Insecure, which is my favorite show right now. He's humbly passionate, and he's really, really, really dedicated to building a pathway for the next generation. I laugh a lot in this episode, so get ready for that. I hope you'll join us for that conversation. Solvable is produced by Jocelyn Frank. Research by David Ja. Booking by Lisa Dunn. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias, and our executive producer is Mia Lobel. I'm Ronald Young Jr., Thanks for listening.
3: The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If it sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobilecom slash unconventionalawards. See you there.
5: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause.